All right, let's stop wasting time. Let's get in the word, shall we? Come on, Father, we bless you today. And we honor your name and we honor your presence and we honor what you're doing in our lives. And we thank you that you put us here on the earth for such a time as this. Father, we take heed to the word that you spoke to Esther many, many, many years ago that who knows that you were put here for such a time as this. And we know that we're not here by coincidence, we're not here by accident, we're not here haphazardly. Father, before the foundations of the earth were ever put into motion, you saw this time. And you knew that you needed every single one of us to be positioned exactly where you needed us to be positioned for a divine assignment to advance your kingdom on the earth. And we welcome you, we ask for the ministry of the Holy Spirit to stamp the word into our hearts, that the word would change the way that we think, causing us to be transforming agents, sons and daughters who bring the kingdom of God to the earth. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, those of you guys who are here today for the first time, I wanna welcome you and greet you. My name is Jay Duncan, and along with my lovely wife, you heard from earlier today, we have the great privilege of leading this house and serving this house in the senior capacity, so we bless you and we welcome you today. We're in the middle of an assignment. The Lord gave us an assignment at the end of 2014, and essentially he said the next six months of 2015 are a time to press in and to pursue me like never before, to seek my face. And our pursue nights on Sunday nights were birthed out of that assignment, and I'm so proud of Sidron for calling the men to attention. I was, I was one of the only guys last Sunday night. It was like ladies night in Mod Q. We had, we had two other guys. Joe was up leading, helping lead worship. We had a guy running sound and I looked around and I was like, I'm, I'm a part of a women's ministry. What is going on here? Men, you need to get in the presence of God. If you wanna lead your homes, you wanna lead your families, lead your marriages, Get in God's face. Let him change your life as the gatekeeper of your home. So, men, I'm calling you to join us on Sunday night and to hear from God and to be deeply, deeply impacted by who God is. All right. Well, our assignment is to pursue God with all of our hearts. Our assignment is to um, let who he is change who we are. And the contingency of that word essentially was that if you'll do this, it will change the rest of your life. And, and, I, and I know sometimes that can be like a cliche. This is not a cliche. I've chosen to say this is the word of the Lord and how I pursue God in the next six months will determine some things in the rest of my life. So I'm trying to be faithful to that heavenly calling. And Antioch, I'm, I'm calling you guys to be faithful to the heavenly calling with me. Well, at the beginning of every year, we have a 21-day fast. And this has been our fifth year, fasting and praying into the new year. And out of that fast, we had every person in the house press into the Lord and say, God, what are you speaking to Antioch Church? We had every single person who participated with us in doing that send in what they felt like God was saying, and then we categorized based on themes. And we've been preaching and teaching on that for the past few weeks. And today I want to talk about another one of those points. They are becoming our prayer points our invitation points that God is inviting us into in 2015. And today we're gonna to talk about the fact that God is inviting us to pray for plans for the city. Plans for the city. If you were here the second week of January when 
Uh, Becca Greenwood spoke. Uh, Becca Greenwood is a national and international prophet of the Lord, and we have the great privilege of her being also a family member of Antioch. And at the beginning of each year, she comes and she brings a word of the Lord for the year that actually comes out of a council of other prophets and apostles around the nation and around the world. And one of the things that she spoke to Antioch and to Colorado Springs is that God is giving us plans for this city, plans to engage in this city, to serve this city and to bless this city. So I wanna talk about that for a few minutes this morning before we get released. And uh, I wanna talk about that in the context of our overarching assignment as the church, not just a church, our overarching assignment as the church. So turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. And for those of you who might be new to the journey of Christianity, who might be new to some of the concepts that we're talking about here, I'll give you a little bit of background. Matthew chapter 28 is commonly known as the Great Commission the Great Commission. And Matthew 28 is essentially Jesus' marching orders to the church. Jesus came, he was born of a virgin, he was a sinless man, fully God, fully man, the Son of God come to the earth. Scripture says he came about preaching, teaching, doing good to all that were around him, displacing demonic entities and principalities, and then laying his life down as a sinless, sacrificial substitute for the sins of humanity. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So he was brutally beaten, he was murdered, he was executed for the sins of humanity, for our sins, my sins, Scripture says then he was raised from the dead by the power of God to be declared the son of God. He now sits at the right hand of God and he's waiting to come back for a glorious bride. In between that time of him resurrecting and ascending, Scripture says that he appeared to his disciples. He appeared to them many times, but in Matthew 28, he appears to his disciples, these men that he poured his life into. He mentored them, he trained them, he fathered them, he imparted the kingdom into them, and then he met with them one last time, and he says, listen, guys, here's what your marching orders are. Matthew 28, verse 18, says, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, if you're anything like me in this Christian walk, you may have interpreted that as we're very simply to go and we're to disciple people, individuals in the nations, and when we get down into the analysis of each of those words, that's not what he's communicating. He's not communicating just go and win converts. He's not communicating just go and introduce the gospel of salvation to individuals. He is essentially saying here, go and disciple entire nation's systems. Mark 16, 15 is our commission to disciple 
individuals. Matthew 28, 18 through 19 is our commission to disciple entire nation systems. And out of that, we find that there's a couple of men in the early 70s, a man by the name of Lauren Cunningham and Bill Bright and Francis Schaeffer all began hearing words from the Lord together. And not a new concept, but at that time, the Lord said, if you want to disciple nations, you must disciple the gates, the gates that influence those nations. You must disciple, some people call it mountains, some people call it spheres. You must disciple the cultural shaping, influence shaping mountains of society. Family shapes the culture of a society. The church should be, has always been called to be, shaping the culture of the society, bringing the value system of the kingdom of God into the realm of the earth. This was the assignment from day one. From day one, Genesis 1, Scripture says, let us make man in our own image. Let them reflect the imago Dei, the glory of God. I made man to reflect who God is into the earth. Then in verse 28, he says, now then, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to give you authority to multiply and to fill the earth. But it says this, to have dominion, to make the earth look like heaven, to make the value systems of the earth reflect the value systems of heaven to bring the rule of God. Matthew 6.10 says, this then is how you should pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and the first petitionary prayer is thy kingdom come. Let your rule come to this earth. Let it come to every sphere, not just my life. Listen, the kingdom of God coming is not just to help me in my struggle against pride or my struggle against selfishness or my struggle against lust. Come on, talk to me this morning. The kingdom of God is to come and pervade every culture shaping, mind molding gate of influence in society. That is the role of the church. Our ultimate calling is not just to fill seats. I need y'all to talk to me this morning. Come on, family. Y'all need to help talk to me. Some of our new guests are going to think this is a quiet church. This is not supposed to be a quiet church. The ultimate assignment of the church is not just to get more people and introduce the gospel of salvation. Salvation is the door into something. It's the, it's, it's the wardrobe into Narnia. Come on now. The gospel of salvation is the door into an entire universe called the kingdom of God where the king rules and reigns and where his dominion comes. Where his, uh, where his truth comes, where we submit and subject our lives to his truth, things change. That's the assignment of the church. And we can sit back and look at how things are crumbling around us. And the reason why gates and the walls of our community crumble is because the church has abandoned their assignment to bring the kingdom of God to the earth, not just with good services, but in every arena of our society. And we can go into history, beginning all the way back from the children of Israel in the Old Testament into the New Testament, and quite specifically how our nation was founded upon biblical principles, upon biblical laws, and biblical truths. And the more we get away from that, the more we see evil and unrighteousness pervade our society. Our assignment is to disciple nations. Family, 
church, government. This doesn't mean, and we have to be very, very clear here because there's been a lot of confusion on the message of the dominion mandate of the church. We are called to have dominion. I have people talk to me and they're like, ah, we don't really want to go to Antioch because you guys are, you know, just dominion stuff. And so I, I just, you know, if they'll ever have a conversation with me, because they usually don't, they usually write the note on the pillow and then they just take off. But I usually want to say, listen, 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 what did you expect? The Zoe life of God is inside of you. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. This was not an allegory. The very spirit, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of the Trinity now has invaded your puny little life. Do you expect to not have dominion? Do, do you want to get saved so that you can continue to be overcome by powers of darkness in your life? That's not the kingdom that I subscribe to. Colossians 1, 12 and 13 says that we've been translated. It means that we have been ripped out of the dominion of darkness and we have been translated. We have been put into a kingdom of light. Now, I want that, that, that kingdom of light is a conquering, overcoming, powerful, victorious, life-giving kingdom that is designed to overcome the gates of the enemy. That's why Jesus said to Peter in Matthew 16, 18, on this revelation of who I am, on the revelation of what is available to you, on the revelation of what sons and daughters can do in the kingdom, if they had a revelation of sonship in the kingdom, you are called to carry and steward my authority, my executive right to execute power in the realm of the earth. And if you understood that, you would understand that the ecclesia, the church of God, was designed to always be moving and advancing against the gates of the enemy. I love the movie Braveheart. And in Brave, Braveheart, I believe, is just, it's such a picture of these kingdoms. And without going into a full diatribe on this movie, you know, you got this man who is living in Scotland. Scotland is being ruled by, the, uh, by England. King Longshanks of England is ruling Scotland. And William Wallace, a, a, a common man, rises up, and there's something inside of him that understands we were not created to be slaves. We were not created to be ruled by tyrants. We were created to be free men and free women. And so he begins pulling together people who are willing to fight and hear that sound. And initially what they do is they defend their land. They defend their land against the armies of England. But there's a defining moment in the movie where William Wallace comes and he gathers the support of the nobles and he says, listen, if we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this right, we got to stop living on defense and we're now, we're going to take it to their gates. We're going to take the battle to their gates. And essentially this, this commoner rallied a nation and attacked England. He took the battle to their gates. And there's this moment in the battle at York where these guys are busting down the gates of this castle at York and overtaking the armies of England. That is what we're called to do as a church. 
Doesn't mean that we're supposed to necessarily be ruling government. It means that we're supposed to be leavening the judicial and jurisdictional sphere of government with an understanding of how to govern in a godly manner. We need government in the earth. We need, it's necessary. It is, it is a biblical institution that God has established. Anywhere you need order, anywhere you need organization, you need government. Government is not a secular idea. It is a biblical idea. We don't have time to go into all of the deep ramifications of the scriptures around the idea of government. God's kingdom is a governing kingdom. We're called to be a governing people. Government, business, stewardship, economics, labor, work, influences and shapes culture. Education. The things that are being taught in one generation will become the laws of the land in the next. And it is our responsibility as a church, as the church, to be shaping the worldview and the understanding that is taking place in the schools of our homes, of our churches, and of our nation. When we begin influencing these realms of society over time, through perseverance and diligence, we see that entire nation systems can essentially be discipled. Are you with me this morning? So that, that was my, that was my uh, preface to the intro. <laughs> I'm going to talk here about our assignment to our city. But we have to understand that in the, in, in the greater context of discipling nations, see, I think what happens a lot in Christianity is that when we don't understand the whole, we make our part the whole. Our church is not the whole. Your parachurch ministry is not the whole. It is valuable, it is vital, it is beautiful, but it is not the whole. It is connected to the greater overarching umbrella of the kingdom of God coming into the earth. That is our assignment to disciple nations into their destiny by bringing the kingdom of God to the earth. So we don't talk about community transformation, but we wanna talk about that in the light of discipling nations. Three vital truths to discipling nations. Number one, for those of you who are taking notes, A little toasty up here. Number one, we must understand that God so loves the world. I know that seems very elementary, but until we get captured by God's heart, until we get captured by God's heart for the nations and for the people of God in the earth, we'll have no internal impetus to do anything. We'll always remain limited in our assignment until we get captured by God's heart for something greater. Summer of 1996, God sent me to Indonesia for two months. Many of you have heard this story, but in Indonesia, at the compound of our contact there at 9 a.m. in the morning, during the Muslim call to prayer, God invaded. He radically invaded my life. And out of nowhere, the voice of the Lord entered into this man, and he said, son, I so love the world. I don't just love America. And I'm here to tell you today that that radically revolutionized my life. It's so, I feel, I feel like I don't even have words to do that justice. It changed everything in my life. Became a team leader for ORU missions and every year after that, that 
interaction with God, that interruption, that divine interruption with God began taking teams out. Mongolia, Siberia, Thailand, Malaysia, Philippines, Germany, Ukraine, Egypt, Mexico, on and on and on it goes because there was a divine interruption and my heart was open to God's passion for the people of the earth. I feel like God is doing a very similar work in my heart right now. As I was away these past few days, I was texting Christy and she said, how are things going out there? And I said, the only way that I know how to communicate this to you because she knows, she knows. I met my wife through that word of the Lord. Had God not interrupted my life and the trajectory of my life with his passion for the nations, I probably wouldn't have married the woman I got married to. And so I said, the only way that I know how to communicate this is the same thing that God did to me in Indonesia in 96, he's doing in my heart for our community in Colorado Springs. It is that weighty, but we have to get captured by God's heart for the world. We have to get captured by God's heart for people. We have to get captured by God's heart for our community. Nations have destinies. Communities have destinies. Colorado Springs has a destiny. The surrounding region of our area has a destiny. And because one of the prophetic destinies of our city is to be a global city, we've done that well. We see that YWAM basis here, Compassion International, Focus on the Family, which has a, has a national and global dimension to it. The Navigators with Glenn Erie, Campus Crusade for Christ, on and on it goes. We have a lot of missions organizations here, but some of that has happened to the detriment of, the own, of our own city and the gates and the walls of our community. And the Lord, I believe, is not saying we're going to replace your call to the nation's son. We're going to add to it. In fact, I believe that the Lord, through our experience of working with this city, is going to give us tools, and he is going to, he is going to help unpack principles of transformation, and he's going to give us models that then we're going to actually use in the nations of the world. I believe that's what God is doing in this hour. Number two, we must understand that the kingdom of God is transformational by nature. All of our Antioch family members, you should know that. I preach on that very, very often. The kingdom of God is transformational in its very core, in its essence, in its DNA. In other words, where God's kingdom comes, things change. It is impossible for things to remain the same where God's kingdom truly comes. When the king and the king's value systems and the king's presence and the king's power comes into a place or a people group, things cannot remain the same. You're either going to change or you're going to leave. That's it. It is transformational to its core. Number three, we must understand that only sons and daughters can bring the kingdom of God. Only sons and daughters can bring the kingdom. We are the only ones who have the legal right to approach God, to access wisdom, to access revelation, to access the resources of our heavenly kingdom to bring that down into the realm of the earth. Faith is the bridge by where sons and daughters access heavenly resources to bring transformation and change to the realm of the earth. We're the only ones who can bring change. Romans chapter 8, turn there with me in your Bibles, verse 19. Sorry, I'm moving very quickly here. Romans 8, 19 says all of creation, the cosmos, the created order is crying out, waiting in eager expectation for the children, the sons and the daughters of God to be revealed. 
Anytime you see something broken in our society, let me train you in something. Do not align yourself with a murmuring spirit. Do not align yourself with an accusing spirit. Do not align yourself with a spirit of despair. Understand that when you see the walls broken down in our community, in our society, understand that God is saying those gates are crying out for the sons of God to bring solutions. Only the sons of God have solutions for the problems of our society. Our economy is shattering. The sphere of economy is crying out, where are the sons? Where are the daughters? Where are the ones? Where are the ones who will worship the king and get divine revelation from the king that will take time to diligently understand the blueprints of the kingdom and bring that into the realm of the created order? Education, families. Families are crying out for the sons of God to be revealed. In the past year, as we've looked at so much of the racial divide that have been going on in our nation, friends, listen to me, you know what that is? We can sit here and we can deal. The enemy wants us to get distracted by superficial symptoms. The community of Ferguson, the community of our brothers and sisters are crying out, where are the sons and the daughters of God who will speak healing, who will help model what true reconciliation looks like? That's how we need to dial our thinking into these issues because only sons and daughters can bring the kingdom. The word their children is a word, huios. There's five Greek words for child in the New Testament. I'm not gonna go through all five of those. Essentially what it does is it lays out a progression that we start with babies. As babies, we're born again. Our spirits are like infants in the spirit and then we grow and we mature. This is why one of the reasons why Antioch exists is to establish you in mature sonship. And why is that? Because only mature sons and daughters can change the earth. Everything that you're going through on a regular basis, on a daily basis, it's God's training curriculum to bring you into maturity. Serving in this church is a part of God's training curriculum to mature you so that you can handle problems on the city and community and even national or global level. Entering into community, fellowship with your brothers and sisters. Listen, if you're not willing to deal with relational problems here, what makes you think you can deal with relational problems on your governmental cabinet? or on the employees that God brings to you. He brings those employees to you for you to disciple them. And if you can't even deal, deal with these relational things with your brother or your sister, how can he trust you with greater authority and influence with those that don't know Christ in our community? It's very, very simple. It's very, very logical. Huios, mature sons. Listen to this definition. It speaks of those whom God esteems as sons. It speaks of those whom God loves. It is used of those who revere God as their father. Those who in character and life resemble God. Listen to this. The creation is waiting for those whose character and life resemble God. Dear God, Holy Spirit, help us now. Help, help us get revelation of this truth. 
You are here by divine design because creation is eagerly waiting for you to continue to mature as one whose life is governed by the principles and truths of God and whose life has been captured by the heart and the passion and the affection of God so he can sit you in the seats of authority in the gate of communities, whatever that may be. We talked about this in the context of tending your garden last year. It is a term preeminently used of Jesus Christ, huios, a mature son, as enjoying the supreme love of God and united to him in affectionate intimacy. That, when you hear us talk about sonship, that's what sonship is. Sonship, those who supremely enjoy the love of God, those who are united to him in affectionate intimacy, those whose lives and character resemble their father, God, not those who are religiously abiding by rules. Let me talk to you here for a few minutes about a concept called elders in the gates. There's, I've got, I've got, literally guys, I've got 40 pages on this stuff. I'm going to give you a glimpse of it today. Biblical concept of elders in the gates. Throughout scripture, God utilized a pattern of discipling communities by establishing leaders who would sit in the gates of those communities. The restoration of righteous elders in the gates of our communities is a biblical and principle approach based to discipling nations. Here's why, number one, cities are significant. Cities are significant, write that down if you're taking notes, cities are significant. In Perspectives on World Missions, one of the authors writes, cities are the new frontier of Christian missions. Now, understand, this was written years ago. So this is something missiologists, because they were actively engaged in transforming the culture of other nations, this is something missiologists have understood for decades, that the new frontier of transforming nations is capturing strategic gateway cities. Because of their size, their influence, their diversity, and their needs, cities present enormous challenges. To neglect cities would be a strategic mistake because as cities go, the world goes. As cities go, the world goes. Do you realize we had 39% voter turnout for the last mayoral election a couple weeks ago? I know for a fact there's more than that in the church alone. We need every pastor in this city helping the people of God in this city to understand that they're not called just to come to good services. They are called to be elders in the gates of their community. That is what the church is called to do, to raise mature sons and daughters, to equip them into their leadership assignment, to sit in seats of authority as elders in the gates of their cities. Cities are the centers of political power, economic activity, communication, scientific research and development, academic instruction, religious influence. These are all the things that happen through the city. Whatever happens in cities affects entire nations. Cities matter to God. We may have started in a garden, but we're going to end up in a city. Revelation 21 and 22 speaks of the city of God. We talk about the significance of gates. In the Hebrew culture, the word gate is a word named sha'ar, and it was a gate complex. In other words, every city at that time 
had walls that surrounded the city. You can read so much about this in the Old Testament. We read this primarily in the book of Nehemiah. When Nehemiah comes and he examines the walls and he sees that the walls of his city were destroyed. Enemies at that time knew if you wanted to possess a city, you simply had to possess the gates of that city because the gates were the entry point into all of the life that happened within that community. So the gates of a city were not just these two-dimensional bars that were entry points. The gates of the city, when we talk about elders in the gates of a community, the gates of the city were actually a courtyard. So the wall around the city was built. There was a primary gate. There are many other entrance points, but there was a primary gate. And then they would build another wall, an interior wall. And in the interior wall, they would build another gate. And the courtyard between those two gates or those two walls was where all of life and culture was shaped in the communities of that day. Letter A, in the gates of the city were the cultural, civic, and social epicenter of that community the social epicenter. Life, interaction, relationship, fellowship, news was all happening right there in the courtyards of the gates of that city. So when we hear elders in the gates, we have to hear men and women of God, mature sons and daughters who've gone through a process of being qualified to influence the the social interactions that happen in the gates of their community. The gates were the center for cultural development for good or bad Christians will or will not affect culture they will affect the standard of relationships number two or letter b the gates were the center of business and commerce if you've ever been overseas and you've been to marketplaces and you see where so many transactions are being taken place there in those uh, giant bazaars or those plazas that's what it was like there at the gates of the community in the Old Testament. They were not just a place of social activity, they were the centralized location of commerce and business and the primary place of buying and selling and they were also the place where employment took place. We see this in the parable that Jesus tells about a landowner that goes out and he finds these guys and the NIV says they were sitting in the marketplace which can easily be translated, they were sitting in the gates of their community. And this landowner goes on, he says, why are, you, why are you guys not working? And they said, no one is here to hire us. And he hires them. And as the parable goes, he hires some people earlier in the day. He hires some people later in the day. And the main point we want to take away is that the gates of the community were a place of employment. Elders in the gates shape our worldview on work, employment, homelessness issues. Those are issues that Christian leaders in the realm of business, in the realm of the nonprofit, in the realm of the church, in the realm of civil government, we, we, we ought to be thinking about solutions to those kinds of issues. Letter C, the gates were the center for legal and judicial matters. I wish I had time to just tease all this out. Hundreds of scriptures, beginning in the book of Exodus, into Numbers, Deuteronomy. The biggest thing I want to pull out here is if you remember in the book of Ruth, there was a man by the name of Boaz, the kinsman redeemer of Ruth at that time. And he wants to marry this girl, but he's not first in line to do it. And there's a land that's involved. And you'll find the book of Ruth chapter four, beginning in verse one through 11, that Boaz pulls the elders of the gates together and he proposes 
a legal contract to marry Ruth and the elders of the gates were witnesses to that because the gates of a community were where legal transactions took place. Laws took place in the gates of a community. How many of you guys are walking with me on this? Are you connecting some dots here? Laws are always moral and religious in nature and they reflect the value system of that community or that society at large. Listen, in Antioch, every one of us should be a voting constituent as citizens of the kingdom and as citizens of the society because we are elders in the gates of our community. Letter D, the gates were the center of development for biblical worldview. In other words, teaching on truth, prophetic declaration happened at the gates. Whenever Israel would go off course, whenever they would get morally astray, God would raise up prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Amos, Micah, and they would come and they would declare the word of the Lord. You know where they would do it? Take a, take a wild, crazy guess. At the gates of their city. The gates of our community is where the prophetic declaration of God should be being released. And listen, not like a bunch of weirdos. You can sit on school boards. You can sit on governing councils. You can, you can show up and you can declare the word of the Lord without saying, thus saith the Lord. We have to learn how to translate the language of God into the language of the people that God has assigned us to. One of the reasons why we have zero influence is because we assume so arrogantly that the people of our city or the citizens of this world ought to be understanding the language of our world. It's one of the reasons why so many contacts hate overseas teams because we go in and we expect the people of that land and the contacts of that land to cater to us and instead of coming in as humble servants to learn the culture, serve the culture, serve the contact, come in low. Christians ought to come in low into our community, listen to what's happening and be translators of the word of God to the issues of our society. I just want to end on this. I'm going to have to break this up into a couple of parts. Is that all right? Let me end on this. Gates were the place where warfare happened. In the natural, if you conquered a gate, you conquered a city. Because the gate was the place where you got entrance into that city, and they understood this in the natural. There's archaeological evidence, historical evidence of so many of the of the cities and the provinces of, of, of the ancient civilization that understood the power of gates in the natural. It was the, play, it was the primary place where the battle took place. There is a war over who is going to speak into the vision and the direction and the moral climate and the value system of our community. There is a war going on. There is a war for who will sit on our school boards, who will shape the kind of curriculum our children will be exposed to. One person, just one person in the gates of a council, one person in the gates of a mops group, one person in the gates of an intercessory prayer team can literally help change and shape the direction of things. Your assignment as a member of Antioch is not just to be a wonderful volunteer for our church, as wonderful and as necessary as that is. This is a training ground, and I am devoting my life to make this a better training ground in every area of our church so that you can serve as an elder in the gates of our city in a more qualified manner. 
The battle happened in the gates spiritually. If you go into Europe, you'll find many of the castles have, uh, especially you Spain team, you'll see this when you go to Spain in October, many of the castles and the cathedrals, they have gargoyles or they'll have uh, some kind of types of statues that sit elevated above the gates of those churches. And here's why, because the people of that day understood the spiritual significance of gates. In the Old Testament, we find the king of Moab sacrificing his son on the gates. And, and when he did that, he was fueled with demonic power that turned to battle. Here's, here's what blows my mind, is that the demonic world understands this that the occult world understands this. The new age humanist understands this. The secular liberals, they understand this way better than we do. Gates that are established in partnership with sister cities. Listen, those Tory gates, something's going on there in the spirit. Why is it that when, when the Buddhists come and they come to bless our city, they go to strategic gateway places in our city. They go to rivers in our city. They go to places where they understand spiritual activity takes place in our community. Why is it that every um, uh, satanic group or witchcraft group, they wanna dominate literal geographical high places in our community because they understand those are gateways to what happens in the spirit realm in our city. Battles are happening in gateways in our cities. Yeah. Inhabitants of the ancient world believed that in the gates of our community, spirits would be allowed or prohibited entrance into an area. They would set up shrines, idols, and they would even commit child sacrifice in the hope of greater protection, blessing, or victory in war. Next week, we'll talk more about the significance of elders, and some of the biblical principles. Let me just say this as we close. Adam is the first man, Genesis chapter two, verse 15. And maybe if I could have Michelle, come on up here, sweetie. Genesis chapter two, verse 15, I'll introduce this and then we'll pick this up next week. After God creates Adam, in Genesis two fifteen, he gives Adam an assignment to tend his garden talked about this last year. One, the word there, to watch over, to protect, is the word shamar. It means to defend, it means to guard, it means to govern, it means to preserve, it means to war over and watch over. Adam's primary assignment was to be a gatekeeper. Adam's primary assignment was to be a gatekeeper in the community of the garden a gatekeeper over his heart, a gatekeeper over his marriage, and a gatekeeper over the field, the city that God assigned him to. We are called to be gatekeepers of our community. We're called to open up the newspaper and pray and say, God, what are the things that are, that are, that are operating in our city that need to be driven out in the spirit and in the natural? What are the things that are trying to enter into our city that we need to stand as guardians of the gates of our community? Because as gatekeepers, we either allow things to come in or we don't. So what I want to pray here today, and we'll just take another week to talk about this next week because there's more here to unpack. We're going to pray that God will baptize us in his heart 
for our community. And I know there's people listening to this on podcasts, there's people that travel here to Colorado Springs from other cities. But listen, I want you to understand, the scripture says that God, under, God, God has strategically positioned you exactly where he wants you to be. There is a battle that is raging. It's raging for your commitment to a, to a place. How many of you guys would say, this is my direction this morning. How many of you would say that since the time you've moved to Colorado Springs or even the surrounding areas, how many of you would say uh, you've not felt connected, you felt isolated, disjointed, nobody likes you, you've been intimidated, you've been, you've wanted to run, maybe you've not even liked the city or the area that you've been called to. How many of you guys would say that you've experienced that? There are demonic spirits that are assigned. They're assigned against your assignment. And I'm telling you, there is an incredible force of authority that is released when you break through that personal battle and you say, I am assigned to this city and as long as I'm gonna be here, I am gonna be a gatekeeper in the community of the Lord. I am gonna allow righteousness in. I am gonna open up the gates for the King of glory to come in. I am gonna stand. I'm gonna oppose demonic forces from entering into my city. That is what the church is to be. So I want to pray that over you today. If you guys would just stand this morning. In fact, Julie, come on over here, sweetie. Julie Wilson. Julie Wilson is a mother in our city. She is an elder in our city. She is a gatekeeper in our city. This is a woman who has labored in the fields of our city for years. She has wept over our city. She has washed the feet of the poor in our city. She has brought a cup of cold water to those in need in our city. And she carries a weight of authority in the spirit. And I want her to bless you with a spirit of commitment. I want her to bless you with the change of thinking. I want her to bless you with the measure of authority and anointing. And listen, this isn't something that happens overnight. The kingdom comes in seed form and it grows inside of us 20 years from now. The people of Colorado Springs are gonna say, we're so grateful that God put Antioch Church here. We're so grateful our community looks different because of the people of God, not just in Antioch, but in the entire city of Colorado Springs. Jesus, we just, we just stand before you. And Father, as Lord, the word of the Lord has gone forth. Out of Pastor Jade, this morning, we stand in agreement. And Father, we say we are a light in this city. We thank you that Antioch is a gate in this city to see transformation in the lives and hearts of people in this city and sending out into the nations of the world. And we thank you, Father. And I think, and I say there's war. There is a war going on to take this city because this city is major in transformation in this nation. And so in the name of Jesus, I pray today over every heart here, every heart that is warring, every heart that is, as Jade said, you're feeling um, uh, isolated or distracted or that you're not a part of. We break the power of that oppression right now in the name and under the blood of Jesus. And we lose the spirit and the power of the gospel and his Holy Spirit power 
over you in the name of Jesus because there's work to be done. It's time to wake up in the name of Jesus and take your position. And I pray that you will have people that will come around you, that you will connect with like-minded people and that you will not serve alone, that God calls us in discipleship together that you will come with like-minded people and you will connect with them. You will begin to have revelation. Oh, that's why they're in my life. And let me tell you, there's the prophetic and the apostolic and the five-fold ministry. We call it fourth in a new measure in this city. And we say, it will arise up. And we, we pray and call the prophetic and the apostolic together in a greater measure that they will come together and begin to serve one another in a new way. That the serving of one another and the unity and the bond of the fellowship of the fivefold ministry will come forth in this church and in this city and in the gates of this city. And I declare, uh, Lord, today at Mercy's Gate, the poor, it's key, it's key in how we treat the poor in this city, in how this city responds to the gospel through the gates of our churches and our nonprofit ministries. And we say, we proclaim that we will serve the poor in a new way. And we loose the power of God in the name of Jesus. And we say, there's been victory. There has been victory that has been had. There's been a war but there's been victory. And we, I ask now that you would heighten our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our heart to understand what the Spirit of the Lord is saying in this new season. Because He is recalibrating. I stand in agreement. He's doing turnarounds and He's bringing forth fruit where there's been much labor, where there's been much breaking of ground. The seedlings are beginning to come up and, and come through the ground. And you're going to see life and fruit and the fullness of the Holy Spirit and His gospel come forth in new ways. In Jesus' mighty name, hallelujah. Amen. Come on, let's give a good strong clap of victory to God over our city. We declare you are the victor. We open up the gates that King Jesus would sit on his throne over our city and our region and our state in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless you, Antioch Church. Go walk and live on assignment this week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.